Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's, uh, we're one year since Russia launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. UN says that more than 8,000 civilians have died, hundreds of children, and, you know, the, the true death toll really... I mean, I don't think it's too hard to realize this is probably much, much higher. The military casualties on both sides are estimated to have climbed into the hundreds of thousands. It's it's mind boggling, really. But you know what? Amid all the horror, there are, are still signs of hope. And we have a, a very special guest with us here today, Jeff Semple. He is a senior correspondent with Global National News in Toronto, and he was able to take some time out of his day. Jeff, thanks so much for spending some time with us here today on The Roy Green Show. Hey, David, great to be with you. Am I understanding this correctly? You recently returned from Ukraine? Yeah, I got back from our most recent trip uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then prior to that had been, had, that was the third trip. So been, we were there oh, okay. in the, sort of the first days of the invasion uh, in March of last year, then returned last summer for another four or five weeks, and then just recently returned from a third trip. And, uh, you know, quite a difference, uh, obviously, you know, over the past year. I can imagine, and, and Jeff, I would love to hear about that that difference and how things have changed. But you know, it's I'm hearing on the radio, I'm hearing from others, I've seen it in print. It's the it's the one year anniversary. I mean, I don't know. There's something about that that just doesn't sit well with me, right? It's we're not we're not celebrating anything here. This is really about commemorating something, and hopefully, there's a celebration coming down the road. Yeah, well, that's it, right? I mean, obviously, the word. Uh, anniversary sort of has different connotations and sort of wedding anniversary and that sort of thing. But we're in this case, uh, not celebrating anything um, except perhaps for the fact that uh, very few people a year ago thought that we would even make it to a year. Right. I mean, it's easy to remember. I mean, I remember, you know, just over a year ago interviewing a laundry list of so-called experts, uh, all of whom predicted that, well, most were predicting that Russia wouldn't invade and those who thought it would. Didn't think Ukraine would last more than a few days, and here we are a year later. So I guess if nothing else, that's uh, that's a positive. But you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a tragic uh, day on the calendar. Um, the fact that this has happened, the fact that it's dragged on this long, and one thing I you know hear a lot from Ukrainians is they don't like the anniversary talk because uh, they think it distracts from the fact that their country has actually been at war since 2014 when Russia went in and, and took Crimea and started fighting in the Donbass, and so really it's been you know, many years um, of war right. in Ukraine, but uh, obviously nothing on the scale of the, the full scale invasion we saw this time last year. Yeah, I, I heard a little bit of, of Zelensky's uh, 50, I think it was about a 15 minute speech, and he talks about this as being one of the most painful days in Ukrainian history. Yeah. And, you know, I like, he's, he's always, a, he's a quote machine, that guy, as we say, he's <laughs> right. a very good talker. And he has sure. a line about how they, they woke up early and uh, haven't slept since. And I just thought that was such a good line. I mean, we've heard so many versions of that from like ordinary Ukrainians who, you know, especially now after a year are just like utterly emotionally exhausted and traumatized. I mean, obviously, particularly people in frontline communities, but even in cities 
that are further away from the front lines, like the capital of Kiev, um, you know, where people are to an extent trying to live their lives. I mean, they're right. going to work, they're eating at restaurants, but like almost every day still there are air raid sirens warning of incoming Russian missile strikes and every day there are funerals. And so I think people are really sort of traumatized by that. But I would say, David, despite, you know, that trauma and that emotional exhaustion, um, the resolve of the Ukrainian people from my experience talking to them has, has only increased, it would seem. I mean, like you can't find anyone who who wants to get throw in the towel. I mean, if anything, right. they're they're more defiant than they were before. Like they're not willing to give an inch to Russia, even if it would mean ending the war. They really are are digging in in a sense on all on kind of all levels. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and and I think for many of them, when I ask, you know, where is that coming from? Right. I think right. you think after a year of this war, like you would be looking for any kind of off ramp. Uh, but it's, you know, a lot of them talked about just if the, they've paid such a heavy price that they don't want that to be in vain. I mean, I interviewed a 24-year-old widow named Alicia in Lviv who just buried her husband. Uh, they got married a year ago and mm. uh, just after the war started. Uh, so the many stories happened. like that, right? Yeah. And then now she says even more. Um, he was just recently killed in the last few weeks and, and she said it has only strengthened her resolve, right? Wow. Um, that this, we can't let them win. So kind of a crazy question in a way, but the contrast. So you were there in the early days of this invasion. What, what, what are some of the bigger changes that you've noticed in that in 12, well, exactly to the day, 12 months? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the biggest one I think we alluded to already that uh, at the beginning, I mean, it was like the whole country felt like it was under attack, right? Like no matter where you were, if the Russians weren't at your doorstep yet, they were coming. Right. And now, Clearly, Vladimir Putin's invasion has not gone gone according to his plan. Uh, and this is now, you know, I think Russia has about 17, 18 percent of Ukraine's territory now. So that's that's dropped significantly from, you know, the first early days of the war. And most of that territory that Russia is controlled and, and is fighting for is in the south and the east of the country, um, where you really see, you know, some of the worst uh, fighting and like just communities and neighborhoods completely flattened. But then, you know, you drive, you know, the distance from, you know, the Donbass to, to Kiev, I think, is sort of like roughly Vancouver, Calgary. I might be butchering that. Okay. I did look that up once upon a time. But it's, you know, it's far enough away that um, right. it's, now it feels worlds apart, right? Like sure. Kiev, yeah. you can go have a craft beer in the evening or a latte in the morning. Uh, you're still under threat, but so you, they've bizarre. kind of gotten used to it. Yeah. Yeah. This is just, this is becoming a way of life. I was out last week with a friend for dinner. Uh, Ukrainian uh, waitress, um, you, know, you know, been here about uh, seven or eight months and talk, it was very moving. You know, she started talking about her, her brother who was still there and her family that were still there. Dad stayed. And so mom did too. She came over on her own and it was so, the drive home for me was so, I don't know, uh, just uh, you know, help me out, Jeff. It was surreal. It was, it was, I just, really, this is the world we're living in? Like that was kind Right. Is that, is that naivete or is that, is that, uh, you know, is that something else? You know, that really reminds me too of like a lot of the scenes, one of the most heart wrenching common scenes we saw, like in the first days of the war were families being split up like that. Like there were the train stations and it was just heart wrenching. Oh. Like you would see, you know, fathers and sons putting their, your mother's wives, daughters mm. onto trains yeah. and then like, and not sure if that was the last time they were right. going to see each other. And that, that played out hundreds of times on every train platform in the country. Like it was just horrific. 
and now, yeah, a lot of those families are are still apart. I mean, you know, obviously some never came home. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to wrap your head around that. I mean, just the scale of not only the lives lost, but the families ripped apart or, yeah. or separated. Oh, the the damage, the the the, the long term effects of the trauma and the PTSD and so on are just. I mean, we, 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 how can we, how can we know at this point? I want to ask you about a show that you, you've produced that's going to be airing in, in the next uh, day or two. I'd love to chat about that. But do you have a sense, Jeff, um, from, from, you know, the people you're interacting with and interviewing and so on, what's sort of next and, and a couple more years? I mean, it sounds like they're, they're in it for the long haul. Yeah. I mean, I was worried you were going to ask me that because I'd just been so consistently, <laughs> consistently wrong. Right. Uh, for the past year. I mean, it's just, yeah. Like the, I think, well, how you know, can any, really does, how can anyone well, know? Saying, right. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, and I, but I think I'll tell you, and I, you know, I'm not just saying this, I mean, it's become almost a cliche to talk about this sort of world famous Ukrainian res- resilience. We hear mm. Vladimir Zelensky talking about how they're not going to give, give up an inch of territory. Like they're not willing to negotiate away sure. a single piece of Ukraine, if and and that's the refrain we hear over and over right. and over again from the Ukrainian civilians. So, to your question, like where does this go from here? I just like I don't see. It's hard to see a negotiated settlement. Uh, period. Like how? Right. Why right. the Ukrainians will not give an inch? And obviously, you know, Vladimir Putin needs at least a, something resembling a face-saving off-ramp right, right. Uh, for his own self-interest. That's... So how, how do you reconcile those two things? I, yeah. I have no idea. But well, I will tell you, it's, the, the American, uh, especially the Americans and, and their attention span makes would make me nervous because mm. uh, not to take us in a totally different direction, but... Uh, well, no, but I know, think I'll, you raise a super relevant point about just attention span in general. What's going to happen as it, it isn't as interesting as it used to be, or it isn't as newsworthy as it used to be? What then? Ukrainians are very, very aware of that, and they were very right. happy to do interviews with us because they know <laughs> that needing, keeping this in the international attention, especially for, you know, like big funders like the Americans is, right. is vital to their survival. Well, glo- yeah. glo- global resolve, it seems to me, is essential. Hey, can you, as we wrap up here, Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, is it is it called The New Reality? Yeah, so the Global Current Affairs program is called The New Reality. It airs every Saturday at 7 o'clock, and we've got a special program this time around. Uh, we take you to a city I don't think anyone's seen or heard about before. It's this little city called Marhanets in south-central Ukraine. It's right on the Dnipro River, and it has the unfortunate distinction of being located right across the river from a Russian occupied nuclear mm. plant, the Zaporizhia okay. nuclear plant. Now the Russians took control of this nuclear plant a, a year ago and they've held it ever since. And they have rebuffed calls from world leaders in the UN to create sort of a demilitarized zone around it to ensure it doesn't get hit and potentially spark a meltdown. Instead, the Russians have used a nuclear plant essentially as an army base to launch mm. attacks at nearby communities like Marhanets, which we visited. And they are defenseless. I mean, they wouldn't dare fire back, right, or risk triggering a nuclear disaster. So this community has been taking a beating. Uh, it's basically in a fight with its hands behind, tied behind its back. And so we went there uh, in part for that, but also because there's a special relationship developing with this community of Marhanets and another community in Canada. Uh, in oh, BC, wow. and super, so we will delve super into cool that. And super important. Yeah, I hope so. And so that yeah, yeah. we'll delve into more uh, more of that story on the new reality and the new If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.